UCLA Health is the latest healthcare sector entity to report a mega hacker attack potentially affecting the personal information of millions of individuals. The attack on UCLA Health follows other gigantic hacker attacks at other healthcare sector companies in recent months, including Anthem, Premier Blue Cross, CareFirst, and Community Health Systems. I'm Marianne Kolbasek McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking to attorney Ron Rather of law firm Faruqi Ireland and Cox PLL. Ron will be speaking to me about some key lessons that should be learned in the aftermath of these recent hacker attacks on the healthcare sector. So now, Ron, what are the biggest information security and privacy lessons that you think are already emerging in the wake of some of these recent large hacker attacks we've been seeing recently? I think healthcare is the most recent market to become the focus of hackers. We've been dealing with these issues for 15-plus years in the financial services uh, data aggregator and even more recently in the retailer space. Uh, so if you look back at the experiences of each of those markets and you look at the maturation point of healthcare, healthcare really has become the focus of hackers uh, really for two reasons. One is the rich data uh, that can be found uh, in a hospital or other healthcare institution. You have not only uh, treatment information, uh, which is of less value, but you also have high levels of personal identifiable information, so just not Social Security numbers, uh, but also other information that a hacker could use, you know, possibly answering security questions and and being able to better uh, pretend to be the victim consumer. Uh, Likewise, you have payment information, uh, insurance, uh, as well as payment information from the insured or the patient that the hospital will have. And the second reason is, again, back to this maturation. I think that the healthcare industry is only beginning to look at uh, information security uh, as an issue. I see their experience in their maturation uh, really following what we saw in the financial institutions, retailers, and data aggregators. Uh, they're making some of the mistakes uh, in their programs and in their development that we've learned and addressed in other markets. So, Juan, what patterns are you seeing in terms of the common weak spots that hackers are taking advantage of and the mistakes that healthcare sector organizations make with their security? Unfortunately, information security and I think information technology generally is seen as a resource or infrastructure. So, and this is not unusual, you know, the executives in the healthcare institutions see their technology like they might see their phone or having a, a clean hospital. It, it's, it's part of their administrative task and infrastructure. The reality is in this economy and in the emerging electronic information economy, technology and information security becomes a fundamental component of the day-to-day business. Uh, because of this misunderstanding of information technology and information security, the right resources and the right mentality is not being applied to information security. So the change that really needs to occur includes seeing information security as being an essential part of the business operations. And I think healthcare, like financial institutions, will begin to see that patients will begin demanding better information security. Regulators will begin to punish uh, those institutions that haven't done a good job. But ultimately, the business leaders need to pick up the mantle and understand the importance of information security. I think once that happens, then you can start 
delving into some of the details of what a sound information security program requires, and healthcare can begin to make uh, some of those fundamental changes that we have been suggesting and seeing uh, in some other markets. Now, Ron, in the wake of these breaches, in terms of data governance, what do you think healthcare sector organizations are doing wrong, and where do you think they need to improve their security programs the most? So those are some of the details that I'm talking about. And probably the most fundamental one is sound data categorization and data mapping. So I always give this analogy when I'm asked to talk with um, the C-suite. You know, I have a wife and I have children. Uh, I buy my wife jewelry and I buy my children toys. Uh, Sometimes at the end of a long day, you know, I'll forget or I'll be too lazy and not bring my children's toys in off the driveway. I obviously wouldn't do that with my wife's jewelry. But unfortunately, a lot of organizations are doing that with their data. Uh, They're not properly determining what is of high value uh, and what is of low value. They're treating all data the same. And that creates problems in terms of allocating sometimes limited resources. You want to apply uh, your best information security tools to the data that has the most value, the high value. And that really can help in a lot of respects. So it's not just knowing what you have and where you have it and how you're using it, but it's also creating segregation within your systems and creating as many obstacles to a hacker once they get in their system to find all the data uh, and be able to extract that. So if you take a lot of the recent mega breach examples, you have to ask the question, how is the hacker able to extract that much information without detection? And most often that's because all of the data is housed in one place. So once the hacker breaches that area in the system, it's just simply a matter of putting a code and extracting that information. If you can segregate that information, put it in different parts of the system, now the hacker has to be able to infiltrate a number of different areas. And if there is an event, because you know likely there will be an event at some point, the company can mitigate the damage from that event because the hacker's only been able to get access uh, to some portion of the millions of records and still be, instead of being able to access millions of records with one event. You mentioned detection, and as we've seen in some of these recent hacker attacks, it often takes months for these breaches to be detected. Why do you think it is taking so long to detect these breaches, and what do you think organizations need to do better to improve their breach detection? I don't know the, the security systems that were in place in the events that you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but uh, there are a number of tools that can be employed to help detect when a bad guy is in your system. I think that traditionally the concept of data security, at least from the business perspective, has been one of preventing the bad guys from getting into the system to begin with, you know, having firewalls, having credentialing in place, you know, passwords, login IDs, um, two-factor authentication, all of those things we've talked about before, but that really isn't enough. You have to employ what's called defense in depth, which is understanding that at some point bad guys are going to get past that firewall. They're going to get into your systems, uh, and you want to really em- employ a number of different layers of security, but probably the two most important are the first one I mentioned, intrusion detection systems, and then also you want to have not only rules that prevent people from getting in, but you want to have rules that prevent information from getting out, so egress rules. 
But going back to my data classification, data mapping point, one of the problems with intrusion detection systems is vetting legitimate behavior within the system and anomalous or bad guy behavior. Um, so you're going to get a lot of data points in your intrusion detection system and, and having to go through and figure out who's what's good and what's bad, that's always the challenge. If you have good data segregation and good data mapping, you can drill down, reduce the amount of information that you have to deal with because instead of looking at behavior across the entire system, you're able to focus behavior on those areas where the most valuable data resides. Do you think organizations in the healthcare sector are using multi-factor authentication enough in the right way? Should they be doing more to prevent this access? In my opinion, the multi-factor authentication and any really tools that prevent bad guys from getting in is really not enough. So I think that it's helpful. We, we want to have the right credentialing, so multi-factor authentication and making validating the user is who they say they are. We want to have that security in place, but the I think the real point for everyone to grasp onto is that that's not enough. It's not enough just to have good firewalls. It's not enough just to have strong passwords and multi-factor authentication. Healthcare institutions need to embrace and adopt defense in depth. They need to employ intrusion detection systems. They need to have systems in place to limit egress. So by egress, I mean why would 1.5 or 2.5 million records ever be expected to leave my system? Why would records for an individual treatment or um, why would records of payments ever be expected to go to an IP address that's not associated with an insurer or a payee? If those rules are in place, then it provides, I think, that additional level of protection that goes well above and beyond what multi-factor authentication could ever provide. Ron, in the aftermath of these breaches that we've been seeing, and not just the hacker breaches, but most breaches, we see entities offer credit monitoring and ID fraud protection services to the affected individuals, the consumers, usually for a year or two. And then Blue Cross Blue Shield plans recently said that they'd be offering members opt-in protection indefinitely in the wake of some of these large hacker attacks on Anthem and Primera, et cetera. Besides offering credit monitoring and fraud protection services directly to the individuals, what else should health insurers and health entities be doing at their organizations to become more proactive in preventing and detecting fraud so that these companies themselves don't end up becoming victims of fraudsters taking advantage of all this personal information that's floating around? I've been talking a lot about uh, the technology component, and obviously there's another important aspect to sound data security, and that's management of the people and the individuals that are interacting with the computer systems. So the question you raised really relates to that component as well, and I think there needs to be broader uh, education of social engineering, pretexting, um, security awareness, and that training and education needs to be done in a way that engages the uh, employees. Uh, so, for example, sitting down and requiring an employee to watch a 30-minute video really isn't, I think, sufficient to create a culture of sound information security. Uh, there are a number of different techniques, including one known as gamification, uh, which I think uh, provides greater interest in training uh, and information security and, and takes what I think is a key day-to-day requirement for sound uh, business operation out of you know, the typical 
compliance where the employee's thinking, I just got to do this to get this over so I can get back to my, my real job, uh, and instead realize that the real job also includes protecting the company's data as well as the consumer data. Uh, the other thing that I would add is that I think we need to be doing a better job of incorporating the consumer, so the patient or the individual, and understanding the importance of information security and, and how to manage and handle their data. And, and that really uh, comes through companies, I think, being more proactive in educating their customers as well, uh, which I think is an interesting part of what's happening here in terms of the offer to the patients in terms of credit monitoring and, and the like. The UCLA Health breach was just revealed, and already there's a class action suit that's filed against UCLA Health, and that suit was filed very quickly, and we see this often in many of these cases where you know there's a breach, and then there's a class action suit, or many filed shortly thereafter. But then at the same time, a lot of these cases wind up getting dismissed. Do you think these cases get filed too fast? Should plaintiffs be waiting to see exactly what details emerge from these breaches about how these organizations handle information security and perhaps wait to see if they're actually victims of fraud? Or is there some sort of statute of limitations or other benefits of being so fast to file suits in these cases? That's kind of an unfair question to me because I represent companies and defend a lot of these cases. So obviously, personally, I think that they're being filed too quickly. The problem really goes beyond information security and and data events. And and really, uh, the fast filing of these lawsuits is a lesson that the plaintiff's bar has learned from the securities class action experience. So the first to file normally gets some entitlement to the title of lead plaintiff's counsel, and there are obviously other components to that as well. So the, the real motivating factor in how quickly these lawsuits are being filed is the race to the plaintiff, by the plaintiff's bar to figure out who's going to end up being the lead attorney in these class action cases. Uh, obviously, I don't believe that every event deserves a class action, and it shouldn't be determined uh, simply on the basis of the number of consumers affected. Uh, Information security and compliance is extremely difficult. Uh, It's complicated, uh, very individualistic in terms of one business to the other because each business is going to have a different information technology framework. They're going to have a different structure in terms of employees and training access points, uh, consumers, type of data, and the like. Obviously, uh, it's my opinion that there ought to be sound consideration by the plaintiff's bar, but also, likewise, uh, careful consideration of the courts in evaluating these cases to determine whether they truly have been filed too soon or have merit before the cost and the burden of having to defend a class action is imposed on the company, which in, in most cases really almost all cases, is itself a victim uh, to a criminal. Do you think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of these large hacker attacks in the healthcare sector, and why, and who could be next? Are there segments of the healthcare sector that haven't really seen these sorts of things, and they could be next? It's hard to say, because I think it really depends on the information security in place at each individual uh, institution. Most hackers are, are opportunistic. So they're they're fishing around, they're looking for vulnerabilities that they can exploit, especially vulnerabilities that they've already developed uh, hacking tools to take advantage of. You know, why create why recreate the wheel? Why put the expense and effort into having to create something new 
uh, to hack into a company when they can already use available tools. My opinion, I don't think that the healthcare industry has quite learned the lessons that are required to make the investment in information security. Hopefully that they'll start to mature and realize that this is invaluable, uh, that they need to protect this data not only for the benefit of their consumers but also the goodwill of their institutions. And I think once that investment starts to occur, doing things like data segregation, not allowing you know, the hacker to get to a database to steal millions of records, uh, but by segregating that, limiting the, or mitigating the loss from an event, until, that, until those decisions and that thinking starts to happen, I do believe we'll continue to see some of these events with a major amount of, of consumers affected. Thanks, Ron. I've been speaking to attorney Ron Rather. I'm Marian Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.